Okay, you guys, here we go. She Runs Ultras, episode number 174. This is a type or style of podcast episode that I haven't done for a little bit, and it's honestly one of my favorites, and that is a my first 50K. So basically, I have someone come on and we have a conversation about their first 50K experience from start to finish. I'll typically ask them questions about how they got into running and, you know, just have them illustrate the journey from honestly, wherever they want to start. Some people start way back in elementary school. Some people start just a couple of years ago, but again, my goal is to help 10,000 women run their first 50K. And part of that sort of responsibility I feel is to share stories from women of all walks of life so that you can hear the progression so that you can see people and hear people that have stories that maybe are similar to yours or different than yours, but that help to paint the picture for you of how you're going to get from where you are now to where you want to go, which is across the finish line of your very first or potentially your farthest ultra. I have gotten to know Lauren over the last couple of years, and I can't say enough good things about her. She is a ray of sunshine and positive energy, and she's had to overcome some pretty epic challenges in order to cross the finish line of her first 50K, and I don't want to spoil any of the stories, so without further ado, here's my conversation with newly minted ultra runner, Lauren Welly. Yeah, so I'll go, I'll start way back. (laughs) Um, In basically elementary school, I thought the mile was the longest anyone could ever run. And I remember we ran around a softball field at one point and I hid in the dugout because I was like, this is so hard. I don't know how to do this. I finished, I think, like third to last in my class the first time I did it. And then that kind of went through all of elementary school until middle school. I was like, I'm going to train for the mile. Like, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I just showed up on the track and I would like run, I don't know, 400s and 800s and just get kind of used to pacing myself. And I ran an, <laughs> I ran an 808 mile. I still remember that, um, <laughs> which is fast. Like, that's probably my fastest mile to this date. Um, <laughs> and... I was super proud of myself and I was like, oh, if I just put in the work, I can do this like distance running thing. Yeah. Um, I got cut from the track team though. <laughs> and I got oh, cut no. from cross country. I ended up do- playing tennis and I ended up do- doing like shot put and discus, which was way more fun because I just got to hang out and like eat snacks, which should be kind of a precursor for ultra running. <laughs> um <laughs> And then, yeah, in college, I would just run, run like fun 5Ks and stuff until my junior year. I was like, everyone's running half marathons lately. Ooh. And so I decided to sign up for the Chicago half marathon. I think I drank like a little bit of wine before I signed up for it. And then I was like, okay, now I actually have to start training. Like, what do I do? <laughs> so... So that summer was the best summer like of my life because I was like, I have never run seven miles continuously. Like I, I like started understanding myself better and like just had so much fun with it. So ran the Chicago half marathon um, and just like left running 
where it was. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I can do this. So long story short, I've had a couple knee surgeries from skiing. And every time the year after those knee surgeries, I'm like, I am going to run a half marathon to prove that my knees still work. (laughs) Yeah. Redemption for your knees. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And then, yeah, in 2021, my friend and I talked about like, okay, we're going to do a marathon. She was going to do grandma's um, because I'm from Minnesota originally. So I'm like, she's going to do grandma's. I'm going to do the steamboat marathon and trained for it and um, did it with her. Like they're, I think they're a week or two weeks apart. So we Mm -hmm. had had like a virtual training buddy. Um, And then I was like, you know what? 50 K is only five miles more with like, a comma in there of elevation gain and loss, (laughs) but like I can do that. So yeah. So then, then that's when you and I met um, with the run your first 50 K group. I don't even remember when I started. Was it April of 2022? I'd have to go back and look. Yeah. That sounds right though. It was like spring. Uh, It was like a spring of, of last year. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that group was super helpful with getting me ready for the first marathon. And then, um, and then I signed up for my first 50 K, which was in August. Um, and you kind of know the story, but, um, I had like a significant loss. Um, someone really close to me died three days before the marathon. Mm -hmm. So that marathon, I was really proud of myself for finishing it, but it was, it was awful. (laughs) I didn't get any sleep or, eat um, or drink anything. I was just like, I just need to make it to the start line, mm-hmm. which you coached me. You're like, maybe if you just, maybe if you just get there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then, I remember that we talked about that. Cause you reached out and you're like, I don't know what to do. I'm really torn. Like, you know, on one hand, I don't think I can do this. On the other hand, you know, it would be an amazing sort of tribute to this person for me to be able to do this. So I'm, I'm happy that you, sort of like baby stepped your way to it, right? Like just show up. And then, so I don't want to, I don't want to give it away, but like, how did it go? Um, it, well, it was really hard. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, marathons are tough. Like road marathons are hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one had, I, I was like, oh, it's net loss <laughs> for elevation, but there, there are so many hills. I think there's like still 700 feet elevation gain Yeah. Um, with, with, within the marathon. So I, but I finished, I was super proud of that. Um, and then I realized I really needed to strength train and dial in my nutrition better, but Mm -hmm. I was like super proud of that. And then I was like, I'm just going to take this training and like go into an ultra (laughs) in August. So, um, so yeah, so I followed your training plan. Like you and I worked through that. And then I think I was just like not dealing with my grief really well in hindsight I was like, running is helping me process it. But I think it was like adding, like running was adding some stress to it too. And I just wasn't like, I just, I don't know. I wasn't listening to my body. I wasn't listening to my mind. And I remember talking to you like, every yeah. time every time I think of running, I just, I just want to vomit. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I think you're hitting a little bit of burnout here. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I just, I took some time off. I think it was like a week or two and I just ran when I felt like it ran how much I felt like, and that was really helpful. And then 
I don't know if I told you this, but when I was spectating my husband's enduro mountain bike race, uh-huh. he said, you could go for a trail run on the trails that we rode. Uh-huh. Um, and I, that's when I hurt my ankle <laughs> as a spectator. <laughs> That mountain. I don't think you told me this. <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. So that was, <laughs> yeah. He's like, how did I not get injured? <laughs> and, and you did. Yeah. Well, you so, know, you know, burnout. Plans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, but it obviously wasn't catastrophic. Like you didn't break anything. You just yeah. rolled it hard. Yeah. Yeah. Rolled it hard. Like heard pops. And after mm. tearing my knees, I was like, pops are bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, got an x-ray and it was fine. My doctor had said, um, if you know exactly how to rehab your knee to, or your knee, your ankle <laughs> to 100% in three weeks between now and the race, you could do it. And I was like, I don't, oh, ooh, doctor, mm. good Good question. <laughs> I know. So I ended up not doing the 50K. The one that you that. originally signed up for. Yeah. Yep. Yep. At the end of August, I did the 16 miler instead, which was still had all the elevation gain. It was just half the distance. Yeah. So it was a really tough challenge. And I walked, I think, 90% of it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, it was really great. So. So do you think that was the smart choice for you? Like, because some people yes. faced with that decision would have been like, you know, I'm just going to like, I'm going to push through. I'm going to try and do as many rehab exercises as I can. Side note, why didn't he refer you to PT instead of like putting the onus on you? Like how, like, you know, regular Jane Doe, like, you know, off the street is supposed to know how to rehab her own ankle. I mean, I know you've been through a lot of PT for your knees, but knees and ankles are obviously different, but. (laughs) Right. That's, I did not even think of that. (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah. Like how about a referral? <laughs> right. Yeah. She's like, yeah, if you, if you know how to do it, I'm like, well, I don't have a degree in this. <laughs> right. Right. Nobody. I mean like, yeah, nobody does. So, cause I think like, you know, pe- some people would have heard that and been like accepted the challenge and seen that as a challenge to be like, okay, I got three weeks to cram in all this PT and then I'm going to, you know, feeling like they were sort of under the gun or on a deadline to run that race, like they have to do it. But what made you decide, "Mm, I'm going to do the 16 miler instead? So a couple of things. One, I was just really burnt out. Um, Two, I actually had a death of another friend happen. Oh, good Lord. Like a week and a half before, yeah, before that race. And I was like, ugh, okay, like this is a lot. Um, And then the third thing, and honestly, probably the biggest reason was I was like, I am dedicated to running for as long as I can and like running for life. And if that means that this isn't the right time to do this, then I'm okay with like banking the miles that I've had and the experiences that I've had. Cause it's not all bad. Right. Like I had a really great summer of like falling in love with the trails and pushing myself and you know, learning what it's like to not listen to my body. <laughs> um, and so it's like, you know, a what? cautionary tale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. So I was like, you know what, if this means that this isn't the time for me to do it, like I heard yeah. this phrase, right distance, wrong time. Mm. And I was like, you know what, I can just I can do this next year. Like, you know, it's not. Yeah, it's not just all for nothing. So yeah, it 
when she had said that, it was almost a relief of like, okay, if I can't do this race, then that's okay. Which again was a big sign that I was really burnt out. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I think, you know, too, you know, it's like, yeah. sometimes when people come to me and they ask questions like you did early on, some, like oftentimes all I'm doing is just reflecting back what people are saying to me because they just need somebody else who's not them or not their family member or not, you know, a friend who's going to maybe have a vested interest in supporting you because you've asked them to support you, you know, even though you right. and I had worked together before and I obviously had a vested interest in supporting you you came to me with some questions and I was like, okay, well, let's, here's what you're saying to me. And honestly, I didn't do anything other than reflect things back. And you made the decision on your own. Lots of times people know what they need to do. They're either scared or nervous about making the decision because they think something will happen as a result, which is true. Something will happen. Something will change. But I think our brains always go to the negative, at least mine does. So it's like, I'm going to make this decision. And then there's going to be this negative ramification. But for you, what you're sort of demonstrating is, initially, you may have had that thought, but the longer game, like the long term game that you had the forethought to factor into your decisions is paying off in the long run, because you made this Mm -hmm. super smart decision based on what you sort of your gut was telling you. Um, and it, it led you to some pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. I remember one thing you had said was like, you could just wrap your ankle with as much tape as possible and like, just, just get it done. Like no matter what. And I was like, Oh, Megan, that sounds awful. <laughs> you're like, yeah, that's your decision. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, it, it's funny. Cause I was just having this conversation the other day when, when Becca and I were talking in the, in one of the last podcast episodes, you know, there's always two routes when people want to do this. It's like, and it, it, your example illustrates this perfectly. Like you could have just said, this is it. You know, if, if people are into this for like a one and done, Mm-hmm. You know, we could put all of the band-aids, all of the support structures, all of the, you know, like bubble wrap around you and then just send you out there and you just give it your all with the hopes that you accomplish the goal of finishing in this one shot. Or we take the longer term approach like you're talking about where it's like we back off, we do some preventative stuff or proactive stuff. And, you know, we look for a different race. It's just like, how do you want to approach it short, like short term or long term? And so that's the other aspect of this decision making process. It's like, you can't, you can't make a wrong decision. It's just a matter of what do you want long term? Right. 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 Yeah. And it's such, it's like you said, you can't make a wrong decision and it's so individual too. Yeah. You know, like for, for my own personal values and, and all of that, I'm like, I would, I don't think I'd ever put myself in a situation where I'm like, Ooh, I might do some irreparable harm, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, especially after mm-hmm. blowing out both my ACLs and <laughs> three <Yeah>. meniscus, like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think people who have had sort of catastrophic injuries like that are much more hesitant to take the quick and dirty approach of just get it done at whatever physical cost. Um, People like that are much more reserved and they're a little more calculated as to, okay, how deep of a hole do I want to dig myself, right? Because you've PT'd your way out of a couple knee surgeries and you know that that's not 
an easy or short process. <laughs> right. Right. And I and I know I'm dramatic too. Like every time I've had my ACLs repaired, I'm like, will I ever walk again? <laughs> I mean, it's a valid question, you know. I mean, <laughs> it's not we we it's so main it is mainstream now to have knees replaced and, you know, ACL surgery, MCL surgery, but it's still surgery. It's still cutting yeah. into the body. It's still changing how your body moves, at least for the short term and changing the the signals that get sent to your brain. And you still have to go through that process. And there is always a chance that when that happens, you may not walk the same anymore. You may, you may have some sort of something going on. So it's, it's like, it's primal, but not unfounded. That's true. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, yeah, so I, I think, where were we at? Did the race. You, yep, you did the 16 miles. <laughs> yep, did the 16 miles. And then, um, I took a whole month off. I did mm. a yoga challenge. I did, I went to a grief workshop, um, like mm. equine therapy grief workshop. Highly, highly, highly recommend. It was life-changing. Um, and then, and then I just, oh, what did I do? Oh, I did a race for my birthday with my friends. Yep. Um, so that was fun. And then like a 5k, 10k. What was it? Yeah, it was a four mile race. Just like nice up, up a mountain on a dirt road back down. Great. It's <laughs> like, thanks for coming out for my birthday. You want to run? <laughs> so, yeah. Easy win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I took, I, yeah, I took a bunch of time off and then I started base building. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot recommend base building enough. Like I did the first, was it four weeks loops or the first eight weeks of your training plan? I can't remember, but. I think you did. You had a lot of time. So I feel like you might've done the the full eight weeks. Yeah. And then looped it around again. I can't remember. It's been so long. I know. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I can't either. I just, I, I import your training plan into my handwritten notes and blah, blah, blah. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, what? So, um, but yeah, base building, highly recommend. It was just so nice to, well, run in the snow. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, it was, it was a really snowy year here, out here in Colorado. Mm. And um, it was just so much fun to like, take a break from skiing and backcountry skiing and like just yeah get out there and run um and I truly believe that that helped me like through my race too like all the training through last summer and then base building really helped um yeah and then I did your 20 20 week plan um fun fact I wrote down remember how I said I like imported all of the data from your training plan into my handwritten notebook um I was between Bighorn 50K and Black Hills 50K. Yep. And I ended up doing Black Hills 50K, which was a week after Bighorn. I wrote the training plan backwards from Bighorn. So, ah. so I accidentally added another week. And then somehow I skipped a week. So I, I did a 22-week training plan. Great. <laughs> which ended up being great, though, because I was in my friend's wedding. So I had those is down weeks. See, this is why, right? Like when we start to, if you're trying to cram this into 16 weeks and you really need, I mean, you, yeah, you need more than 16 weeks, even if you're base building, like, I feel like you need time to 
have a life at the same time. You just demonstrated that like you had a friend's wedding, you need time to, you know, do things are going to happen. You're going to travel, you might get sick. You're going to, you know, you have work things, you have family things. So trying to, I know people, people try to do this where they're like, I want to run this race, but I have to, I have to make it work within the context of my life. So I have to sort of, you know, fit it in or catch as catch can as it, as I can in my schedule with all the other things that I have going on. And so of course I try to make that, that time commitment as small as possible. But if you can actually think about it, like making the time commitment longer and slightly bigger, your enjoyment of it and the results that you're going to get will be better because you won't be so fixated on, Oh, I only have, you know, 10 weeks left and I have all this training to do. Like if you can pull back and make it a little bit bigger, I find that people are more successful that way. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, I went on my honeymoon in New Zealand with my husband and I was like, Hey, you want a trail run today? Like it was like, I don't have a training plan for these two weeks, but I'm going to fit in as many runs as I can Yeah, because it's the best way to explore. And like Mm -hmm. more so just, Yeah. Also, like if you have more time to train, then it just becomes a routine in my Mm -hmm. mind. And I was like, you know what? It feels kind of weird on a Tuesday if I'm not running three to six miles. Like, (laughs) yeah. And, and yeah. So I think there were like, yeah, traveling and sickness. And I pulled something in my back. And like, there are all these things that happened. There are points where I was like, am I getting burnt out? I don't know. Like, should I run today? Should I not? Mm -hmm. And, um, because I had that extra time buffer, I was like, you know what, if I take today and just walk a few miles, that still counts. That's all like a mm-hmm. drop in the bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember you talking about, yeah, consistency too. And some days all I got done was the shakedown Yep. and I, I can't live without it anymore, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but yeah, like some days all I got done was a shakedown or some days, yeah, just a walk. And it was like that all helped because I just kept moving forward Mm -hmm. and I wasn't in this place of like feeling guilt or shame about not doing the other things because I started listening to my body. What a wild concept. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. So like listening to my body was the, the big thing that I carried through this, um, training cycle. And then I started running with friends. Like I just started meeting people who are like, yeah, I like running like a 12, 13, 15 minute mile, like whatever it might be um, Mm -hmm. on different varied terrain. Like, don't worry about your pace. I had been so concerned that my pace would be too slow for people. Mm. And I never just like opened myself up to saying like, let's run together. Mm -hmm. And I was just screwing myself over. (laughs) Unintentionally. (laughs) I know. And like, the miles just go by so fast when you're with someone, you know? Yeah. So I bet lots of people feel that the same way people who are listening. Cause even I feel that way sometimes too. And again, I have never, it's funny because I've never ever said on any occasion that I am fast, but sometimes people assume because you run long distances that somehow you're faster, which is not the case for me. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think people hold themselves back from inviting other friends or going to running groups or, you know, running with other people because they have that same fear. And, you know, I think as long as you're 
open about, okay, like, you know, for me, this run is supposed to be, you know, whatever the objective is. If you're like, I'm cool if you need to go faster, you know, or are you cool if I need to go slower? You know, that just having that like conversation and not, and sort of getting it out in the open so that you don't feel like you're holding the the person back. I bet you the other person likely feels the same way too. So it's right. cool that you were able to get to a place where you're like, you know what? I want some more friends. I, w- I want to run with other people because it, it really does make a difference, especially if you're having a rough day. It's tough to drum up the excitement and the motivation to go out for a tough run by yourself. So it's good to have people in your corner that you can call and say, Hey, you want to go for whatever they, whatever the run is and to have them answer the call and and go with you. Yeah. And I mean, it's so helpful for zone two. Mm. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I'm like not staring at my oh, watch. You zone two too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm like, oh, we're we're having a conversation. Like, and then yeah. when I realize that I'm like starting to get out of breath, I look at my watch. And I'm like, oof, I'm in my zone three or zone four. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also nice being a therapist because I ask a lot of open ended questions anyway. So <laughs> I'd be like, Tracy, tell me all about your wedding day in great detail. <laughs> And then you don't have to talk. You can just listen. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think, I think like opening myself up to running with friends was a mm. big game changer for me. That's um, awesome. Yeah. I'm thinking of, oh, and then I did, I added an, a race in the middle of my race cycle. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a 10 mile race in Moab um, behind the rocks. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And I got to meet Courtney DeWalter which was the most embarrassing. Oh my God. She was, I didn't know she was going to be there. Uh And so I crossed the finish line and she hands me my medal. Did you just totally fangirl out? I said, it's you. (laughs) (laughs) What was her reply? She's just like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And then I was like, I'm a Minnesotan too. And she's like, great. (laughs) Oh my gosh I guarantee you that's like on the scale of weird crazy things that people have said to her it's probably very low like you're probably one of the most normal you know responses I hope so well it was funny too because like over half the people didn't know who she was and then there were interesting yeah then there were a ton of other people who knew who she was and were like you know, trying to get pictures with yeah. her and like standing on the side, like, oh, you're the best. And so it was really funny because you could just tell the very big difference of like, yeah, my friend who I ran with was like, who's that? <laughs> you're like, ah, uh, she's kind of a big deal. <laughs> she's kind of like the biggest <laughs> deal. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So like adding that race was really fun too, because yeah, I had never, I had actually never really run in the desert before. Mm. And I fell in love with desert running. It was so much fun. Um, Did you see any snakes? I didn't see any snakes. No, <laughs> it was a lot of like sand where like, like once it starts heating up, you feel like a cartoon character, like running yeah. in place. So, <laughs> so that, that was mainly sand, <laughs> but it was really pretty. Um and then that's where I did, or I didn't do my race simulation in Moab. I did it in a different desert area, but I started just doing desert running for my race simulation, mm-hmm. which again was really, really, really helpful for my race. 
Um, so highly, highly recommend a race simulation. Um, it also really helped my husband to realize how hard it is to open my um, bladder on my race pack. And so we did like a mini crew simulation and I was like, okay, we need to speed this up. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, that was beneficial in more ways than one. So yeah, see, got to run through all these potential challenges. Yeah. Yes. Those, but I think people think like, oh yeah, no problem. I'll just like refill your water bottle or whatever. And you're like, it's like yeah. a little bit of nuance to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if you overfill it, it'll spill. If you under, you know, wh- yeah. It's just. <laughs> yeah. So what race, you, you mentioned that you did Black Hills 50K. Yep. Yep. And where was that? So that was in um, Sturgis, South Dakota. It was on the Centennial Trail. Um, mm-hmm. So they'd have a 100 miler, a 50 miler, a 50K and a 30K. Um, and the way that they stagger it, basically you're going to be running with people of other race distances Mm -hmm. as you come through mainly towards the end. But, um, yeah, uh, it was, it was such a cool race. So I picked the race for a few reasons. One, it had a 12 hour cutoff and I was like, you know what, even no matter what, I know that I can finish this. And Mm -hmm. I just, I just needed that extra level of like, it's, it's, you know, no one's going to be following you and like pushing you along. Like yeah. for 12 hours, you can do this. Um, second reason is, well, on the website, it had the elevation gain at like 3,800 feet and then uh-huh. the loss at 5,100. It ended Ooh. up being about 42 and 5,200 mm-hmm. after, at the end of the race. But um, again, like I'm used to running in the mountains. So that was nice. And then mm-hmm. The base elevation is lower than where I live. I live at like 7,300 feet. Um, so so going down. That's a competitive like, advantage right there. I know. I was like, I can breathe. I can talk. <laughs> so, so sorry, I cut you off. What was the starting elevation at the race? I think it was like 5,000 or a little less than that. So nice. yeah, so that was, that was nice. Cause I was like, oh, like there's more air here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. And then, oh, and then just the Black Hills, like being from Minnesota, that's like kind of the, the road trip destination when you're going out West. And so I've been through the Black Hills and to the Black Hills so many times. And I was like, it would just be kind of a cool tribute. Maybe friends and family could, you know, come out to the Black Hills and, and support because it's halfway between Steamboat and Minnesota. So yeah. So it was a, it was a really cool race. So sort of walk us through race day. You you have to travel to get there. So you had yeah. to pack all your stuff. Did you forget anything? Uh, no, I, I am so type A. Um, I started making a packing list like a month before. I love it. And, but I was like, okay, with my race simulation, what worked, what didn't, right? And then yeah. pulled all that gear out and then was like, okay, you know, picking things out. And then I, I live kind of in the middle of nowhere. So it's not like I can just go to a target and like buy what I need. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I made, I made so many lists. My husband was like, Oh my gosh. And I, <laughs> I packed my race day bag, my crew bag, my post race bag, my drop bag, and then my other stuff <laughs> that mm-hmm. I would need for the weekend. Um, and so, yeah, so we went camping the night prior. So I got a little shakeout run done in Wyoming um, the day before the race. 
and then drove in, I think four or five hours. Um, and then went to race packet pickup and I saw another run your first 50 K group member at race packet pickup. So I got, Oh, that's meet- right. I remember seeing that in the group. Who was it? It was Anna. So that's right. Yeah. yeah. I got to meet Shout her. Out to Anna. Shout out to Anna. <laughs> oh, it was so much fun. Um, getting to know her and then, yeah, just asking questions and getting all excited for the race. So yeah. So went back to the Airbnb. I was super nervous. So I just said, mm-hmm. can you just, Tom, can you just make me pasta, like butter noodles? Yeah. <laughs> like my stomach is not settled. Um, yeah. and then just, yeah, mixed up all of my things for the next day and packed everything and was good to go. Um, the one thing that kind of threw me for a loop is they said that the poison ivy bloom is really bad this year. Oh, I remember you asking about this. Yeah. I was like, it's been a while since I've seen poison ivy because it's not really big out in Colorado. Um, and you know, I asked people, what do I, what should I do? And they're like, well, avoid it. It's right next to the trail. (laughs) So I ended up getting some like light compression socks. Um, I already had a pair of them. So I just got another pair. Um, And then this IVX stuff. Um, So I, I never got it. So that was good during the race. Um, but yeah, that was one of the last minute kind of panic things. But other than that, everything was good. Um, so yeah, it was it was funny. I was getting a bunch of texts from friends and family saying like, are you nervous? How are you feeling? And leading up to the race, like I wasn't really that nervous. Like I just kept telling myself, this is this is a day for you to explore. This is a day for you to like, just check out this trail, see what it's all about. And like, you will finish. That's the only mm-hmm. option. That's what I was telling myself. Like, the only option is to fucking finish. So (laughs) I I was like, I'm going to do this. And yeah, I just just felt really excited. Um, Like, my training has come together. I felt really, like, amazing during my race simulation. So I'm like, I can do this. So yeah, the morning of the race, I was definitely nervous. But we drove to the trailhead and... um, I was just more so like, this isn't just another day. Like I'm wearing the same gear. I'm doing the Mm -hmm. same thing I do every single Saturday (laughs) for for months and months. And like, (laughs) this is nothing new. Like my race strategy was to walk the ups, run, um, what was it? Walk the ups, shuffle the flats, run the downs. And I've been doing that all training. So, so yeah, so that was exciting. Um, but yeah, I started, I just get into race mode, right? So started the race and followed some women who are doing the exact same thing. And they're like, oh, you can pass me if I want, if you want. I'm like, no, 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 no. I need to hold back. This is, yep. this is perfect. Um, so we ended up getting in this group of maybe four women and we were just chatting for the first um, four miles or so. The other two women in front of me kind of pulled ahead. And then I was just chatting with this other woman for the first 13 miles. Like awesome. We were just hanging out and um, yeah, it was super fun. I was just like, Oh, we're already at 13 miles and, you know, talking about races that she's done and, and all that. And she's also a personal trainer. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) giving each other little pep talks and things. Love it. Yeah. So so that and I forgot to ask, fun. is this a looped race or a point? Wait, what's point the to format point. of it? 
point to point. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I loved that. Um, being able to just like, all of it is new. And I, you know, I checked out the elevation map, I guess, but I was Mm -hmm. like, you know what, we'll just see what happens. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And so, um, yeah, so it was super fun. They had, um, five really deep creek crossings like mid calf to above your knee um like you're holding onto a rope kind of thing felt like I was in like a Nickelodeon like (laughs) game show (laughs) yeah game show (laughs) yeah and then um yeah at mile 13 um was the first place that I could see crew um Mm -hmm. that was another reason why I chose the race they had crew and drop bags um so ran into Tom and I see him around the corner just picking up my chair and setting it down and setting out, you know, a, um, a towel for me to dry my feet and yep. a little smorgasbord of food. And I was like, oh. I love it. <laughs> it was so cute. Um, and I told him earlier, I was like, even if I'm not hungry, just put a bagel in my hand. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he's like, okay. So he keeps trying to hand me this bagel as it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> eating this soggy bagel it was so funny (laughs) like putting on my squirrels nut butter as I'm like trying to shove this bagel in my face (laughs) I ended up carrying it to the next aid station and like eating half and throwing the rest away because I was like oh it's kind of gross wet bagel um but yeah so I think I spent about 10 minutes at that stop with Tom Mm -hmm. and then um yeah and then kept going it started raining at that point, um, pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the forecast said it would start raining at three. It was probably 11. So I was like, yeah. whatever, I guess we're in for rain. Um, yep. so I'm glad I had my Patagonia Houdini. It just kind of mm-hmm. gave me like an extra layer of like warmth. Mm-hmm. Um, ran to the aid station where my drop bag was like a half mile later, didn't need it. So I just left it. Um, also, for anyone listening, if you haven't checked out the drop bag episode that you recorded, mm. um, my bag was soaked for days. So I'm glad I put my shoes in a dry bag if I needed them because my shoes and socks would have been annihilated. Yeah. Um, I do that even if there's no forecast of rain. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like you never know. Somebody could dump a bucket of water on your bag accidentally. Like anything could happen. So it's better to just pretend as if it's going to get wet, even if there's zero chance of it, because the last thing you want is wet socks and shoes when you expect them to be dry. Right. Yeah. And, and then you have to dry them out in the sun. And then if you're traveling, like, I mean, all of it, right. (laughs) It's never convenient. You can never find newspaper when you need it to try and shove in your shoes, you know? Yep, exactly. So yeah, so I just, I kept going up. Um, up, up, up the trail for quite a ways. And then I lost all the ladies that I was running with and I was just alone for a while. So I just started listening to different music um, in Mm -hmm. my like shocks headphones. And then um, it was, it was raining pretty hard. It was really Mm -hmm. muddy and like just standing puddles all over the trail. And so I was like, Oh, well there goes my dry shoes and socks. Um, And then at about mile 17, um, a guy that I had been kind of passing back and forth earlier in the race around the the river crossings um, passed me. And so I just kind of like 
clipped onto him. Like virtually just like, okay, I'm going to follow your shoes. Um, And he, oh my gosh, he told me he didn't check the weather forecast. He didn't train. This is his first ever running race. He was wearing like Under Armour gym shoes and like basketball shorts and like had a running pack, which was good. Um, But he's like, yeah, all I have in my pack is tailwind. Like that's it. No, no, nothing edible. Um, And he's like, I'm just, I'm just waiting to hit the wall, but I haven't yet. He's like, I'm waiting to hurt my ankles. Haven't yet. I'm like, okay, I'm just, let's just chat then. (laughs) So, (laughs) So I ran with him for maybe three, four miles to the next aid station. And then he sat down and I was like, are you okay? And he's like, I need a minute and some potatoes. <laughs> so so I kept going and then I made it my mental goal. Like I I want to beat this person. Like mm-hmm. I have my time goals and things like that, but like that that's motivation because <laughs> he, yeah, he and I were about on pace. So yeah, then um, the aid station volunteers, I'm just in awe of them because they looked soaked and freezing it was like 50 degrees and raining um and they they were just amazing so um yeah left that mile 20 21 aid station and then climbed up a pretty steep climb that I wasn't expecting but it was what it was and then just this the sun came out and it was this beautiful like loping trail through the woods and I was just like I don't know Oh, I just, it's kind of, it's hard to explain, but that feeling of like giddy joy where you're like, yeah, it's trail candy. It's like yes. <laughs> feeding my soul <laughs> and like splashing through puddles. And I was just like, this is so much fun. And then, um, I was listening to my, my dad rock playlist. Um, <laughs> and when the levee breaks started playing by Led Zeppelin and then it immediately started pouring again oh, no. and like, thundering and my glasses are fogging up and I couldn't uh. see. And I was like, I'm still having a good time. <laughs> like, like harnessing that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then I think the hardest part of the course was um, it came out into this open meadow mm-hmm. and the, the, the the standing water and then the moving water kind of created this big rut in the trail Mm. so like just an ankle destroyer so yeah i was like running on the side of the trail and then it would just turn into like like clay muck that you just like put both feet on the ground and then you just slide down (laughs) yep been there (laughs) yeah so i was like okay this this is what it is right and like pulling out those mottos of like it's it is what it is. Like it, yeah. the 50 K doesn't owe you anything. The trail doesn't owe you anything. Right. Um, and, and then, it does, you no know, good to get like worked up over it because it's yeah. not something you can change. I think that's yeah. one of the things that, um, was, was one of the best mindset shifts for me as, you know, as someone who is also type a, you know, likes things a certain way, likes things to go, the quote unquote, the right way, you know, to be presented over and over and over again with these instances where shit just goes sideways, things happen that you don't expect. It's like, okay, well, like you said, it is what it is. And I know some people are going to listen to that and be like, I hate that phrase so much. This mindset (laughs) shift will really help you if you are one of those people who hates the term, it is what it is. Because I also used to hate it. But when you get into this sport, 
it's just like, it's sort of like you, sometimes I equate it to like playing a video game of which I have very little experience because we weren't allowed video games when I was a kid. Like we could only play like Nintendo 64 for like, you know, I'm definitely dating myself by saying Nintendo 64, but um, like we couldn't play a lot of video games, but you know, when you go every, you know, step you take, I'm like thinking of super Mario brothers, right? Like when you yep. play the game, like there's just these things that just keep popping up along the way. And the same thing happens in a race. Like, sure, you know, the course, but stuff is going to happen along the way. And if you can't just, if you can't embrace it and be like, okay, this is my new challenge. It is what it is. How do I get myself through it? And you're constantly just pissed or frustrated or annoyed by the fact that this thing came and it's ruining your race. It's like, mm-hmm. you're destined to, to DNF if that's the, your, the outlook that you're going to have. So I love that you're like, yep, okay, well, and then there was all this mud <laughs> and there was like a huge rut in the middle of the trail, but it was all good because I just kept going. It's like, yeah, that's like, that's the name of the game. It's, it's almost like how many little wins can you, ra- like how many things can get thrown at you? It's like, go back to your Nickelodeon game show analogy. It's like, <laughs> how many people from the audience can they get to like, throw things in your path for you to have to, you know, get through to get to the buzzer or or win the game or whatever it is. It's like, if you can continue to keep moving forwards, Mm -hmm. then you're going to win. If you just keep stalling out every time something new gets thrown into the mix, it just eats time. It eats brain power. It eats motivation. It it eats your willpower. It's like, yeah, it's just going to pull you straight to the bottom. Right. And it's like, I'm spending energy anyway. Like, do I mm-hmm. really need to spend energy on like hating the fact that it's muddy? Like, yeah. I mean, I did spend a little energy on that. but like, <laughs> No one would begrudge you that. Yeah. yeah. I was like, man, this is, this is pretty gnarly. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, yeah. And it was, it was funny cause like the aid stations were just like perfectly placed to where I was like, I'm getting fed up. And then it was like, Oh, we're at mile 25 aid station. <laughs> so I ran over at, this is another crew aid station. Um, yeah. My husband was there. He gave me, I I'm really glad I packed a warm layer. I wasn't planning on it. Um, but I packed a quarter zip and then, um, you know, it's funny. I, I changed my shoes and my socks again Um, I wasn't planning on bringing as many shoes as I did, but I was like, my husband's like, we have room. Why not? Um, So I'm glad I did. And it was funny as I was putting on the socks, he's like, what about the squirrel's nut butter? And I was like, it doesn't even matter at this point. (laughs) Like it just, (laughs) I'm, I'm wet. Like if I get a blister, I, I have X amount of miles to go. So um, stopped at the aid station just really briefly and talked with a volunteer. And he said, the worst thing I could do as a volunteer is to say it's all downhill from here or, you know, you only have three miles to go. And he's like, it's, it's exactly seven and a half. And I was like, well, I'm at 25. Like that's more than a 50 K, which is how ultras go again. Yeah. Another thing. Yeah. (laughs) Like if you're getting into running ultras, you're maybe going to run a mile or five over. Get some bonus miles. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, at least I know that. Um, And then, yeah, then just running through this field and then it just goes up again for like Mm. another mile and a half. And I was like, okay, this is, this is what it is again. Um, a lot of 50 milers were starting to pass me at this point. And then I was passing some 50 Kers 
it was funny, the 50K people all said like, you know, of course you're doing great. That That's like mm-hmm. the constant thing with ultra running is like everyone cheers each other on. It's not like mm-hmm. road racing. Um, which I love where they're trying to like elbow you and trip you so that, <laughs> so that they stay ahead <laughs> yeah. or like wearing noise canceling headphones where they're just like, you know, yeah, just... completely unaware of your presence. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're like, yeah, you're doing great. How's it, you know, what's going on? And, um, but yeah, it was funny. A lot of the 50 cares that I passed were like, there was not, it wasn't like this last year. Mm. And I was like, well, this is my first time. So maybe I have an advantage in that. <laughs> um, yeah, I got through this really cool section. And then at mile 27, oh, this is so nerdy. I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to. Um, this <laughs> Indulge all the nerds out there. Do it. Do it. <laughs> the song Concerning Hobbits <laughs> from the Lord of the Rings came on my headphones. I did walk down the aisle to this song. So <laughs> Get out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tom and I are big Lord of the Rings nerds. So that song came on my headphones and I just started bawling. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm actually going to do this. This is so cool that my body is able to carry me this far and that I've been able to to make this goal that I've had for a long time a reality. I just, oh my gosh, I was just so overwhelmed with that, that feeling. And then maybe two miles later, I was like, man, I'm in pain and I'm yeah. going back uphill again. So, so yeah, it's funny how the, the emotions come and go and <laughs> they change quite a bit. Um, it was, it was really nice on this course. I also had cell phone reception for most of it. Mm. So I called Tom at mile 29 and I was like, I'm just in some pain. Can you, can you tell me a story about your day? What did you do today? And so yeah. he tells me, you know, about his day. And then he's like, yeah. And then I got a burrito. I was like, what kind of burrito? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to talk about how I'm feeling. I don't want to talk about anything that's happening right now. I just want to hear about your burrito <laughs> and your bike ride and your day with the dog. <laughs> so yep. that helped me for another mile. And then, um, then the sun came out again, which was great. And then, yeah, I finished when it was sunny. Um, the last mile was on a bike path. Mm. Um, which I knew was coming, but it, I don't know, just mentally being on the road after like emerging from the trails, like a Sasquatch, I was like, <laughs> you're like, what is this surface? What are these people, this land? <laughs> right? I'm like, Whoa, everything looks weird. <laughs> um, yeah. So I finished, um, I, but I was really proud of myself because, um, I was able to run in every single mile. Um, at least a little bit. And then that last mile I did kind of a run walk thing. Um, but I ran Mm -hmm. my final mile in like 1145 pace, which is fast for me. And I, yeah, I was not wrecked like how I felt after my first marathon Mm -hmm. and I crossed the finish line and I just started bawling again. I was like, Oh, this is so cool. So yeah. So that was, that was great. My, a goal was to finish in under nine hours. Um, and per Strava, my 31.5 said I was in 859 30. <laughs> <But> yes. <laughs> it ended up being a 32 and a half mile race. So I ended up finishing like mm. 915, 920. Um, and I was like, you know what? I 
my my main goal is just to finish and have fun yeah. with this. So but did you beat that guy? I did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I saw him cross like 20, 30 minutes after I crossed. So I was like, yes, I did it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with like just picking out one person, you know, yeah. like sizing somebody up on the trail. And I'm sure people are going to be like, this is so crazy. But like, I mean, we all do it, you know, right. like we all pick those people on the trail that were like, for whatever reason. And it doesn't even have to be like, it's not mean or malicious. We're just like, that's the person, like that's the rabbit that we're either going to yeah. chase or beat. you know what I mean? And it, it's one of those little sort of, you know, innocent mind games that you play with yourself where you're just like, okay, this is the person like, I want to, I want to stay, you know, especially if it's somebody who has a similar pace to you where you're just exactly. like, they're maybe just a little bit faster or maybe they're a lot faster and you need that extra little bit of motivation, yep. assuming that it's not going to dig you into a, a deeper hole. But yeah, I mean, we all do it. <laughs> right. Well, Like as I'm watching him, I'm like, he is crushing the downhills yeah. and that's not necessarily like my strongest suit because I'm yeah. always worried about my ankle now. Yeah. And he's like, if I crush my ankles, it's fine. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay, well I'm just going to, just going to kind of follow you. And so I knew that like, I needed to keep moving forward in order for yep. that to happen. And of course he, like he's on pace with me at mile 21. Like we're pretty similar. So mm -hmm. I just kind of used him mentally as like, as yeah, as I don't know, beating myself in a way of like, yeah, yeah. So um, this sort of like that example goes back to sort of what we were talking about earlier, right? Like you could take the short term, quick fix approach like him and just be like, yeah, I'm going to sign. I'm not going to train. I'm going to wear my basketball shorts and like my Under Armour gym shoes. I've got just tailwind. I didn't plan for this. I'm just winging it. Yeah. Right. Juxtapose that with you. I'm j I guarantee you, if we did sort of a post race debrief with you and him, mm -hmm. you know, your experience of this race is probably a lot more enjoyable than his experience of the race. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, could you wing a 50K? Absolutely. You know, mm -hmm. would that be the most enjoyable experience? Well, probably not. So, like, <laughs> you know, it's worth taking the more balanced approach of, mm -hmm. you know, planning it out, thinking it through, doing the training, like, you know, eating, maybe eating a few things more consistently, you know, like taking care of yourself, wearing the proper clothes. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking, yeah. And speaking of that, um, two things. One, I don't do things unless they're fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, running is not always fun, right? Like there yeah. are some days where you're just like, this sucks. Like, why am I yeah. doing this right now? Um, but like, I want to enjoy my time. So I'm not like every time I go skiing with my friends, they always make fun of me because they're like, Oh, Lauren, are you going to go hard today? <laughs> like, I'm just here to have fun. I'm not here to impress anyone. They're like, you say that every time. Um, which is true. Like I just, I, you know, I'm just out there to have fun. Um, yeah. The second thing you mentioned was fueling. And mm. so I took Julie's like mini class and then, um, Julie Schaub and nice. um, have learned a lot and my feeling was on point. I felt Love great. It. I think at mile 26, I started getting some, maybe some like a little bit of GI rumblings. Mm -hmm. And then I just said, just keep fueling. And mm -hmm. I did. And then I felt better. So nice. Yeah. So feeling huge takeaway. Um, 
But yeah. Would you do anything differently next time? Um, that's a good question. I, I kind of reviewed things and I was like, I feel like I could have run more. Um, there are certain, certain sections where I was like, you know, like with the crew stops, like, did I need that many crew stops? Like probably not in hindsight, but it was my first time and it was really nice to have them. Um, yeah, I don't, I honestly don't really know. If I would change well, I mean, like, I think sometimes if you don't have a, like a gut, you know, <coughs> excuse me, a gut initial reaction to that, mm-hmm. it's probably because things went really well. Oftentimes, you know, if you have something, if you made a, a, a silly mistake, if you made a newbie mistake, if you just made a mistake in general, or something happened that you didn't expect, um, you'll be like, oh yeah, next time I won't do this. Or next time I will do this. You know, yeah. if you, if you can't come up with one, that's, that's t- typically a good sign. Cause you've, you had your bases covered, you know, you ate, you drank, you were clothed properly. You walked when you needed to, you know, you like handled all of the things. I mean, some people come off their races and they're like, well, <laughs> you know, thing, here's one and two and three, I wouldn't do this. Or I, you know, it's like, and that, and that's great too. Right. Because right. you, you're learning it, It's no one expects you to get this right on the first try or even the second or third. I mean, I know people who, um, have had, ha- have had like five or six attempts at a particular race to DNF or, or timeout, um, and every single time it's taught them something and that's the important part. And every single time they get stronger or they improve in some way, shape or form. I think if you miss the lesson that each race is trying to teach you, then it, your, your running journey or your, your experience is going to be that much harder. Cause you just have to, it's like pounding your head against the same brick wall. Like if you're not learning that that's not helping you, then you're going to have to keep, you're going to have to do a lot of headbanging before you, before you get anywhere, before you make any progress. So, I mean, I'm encouraged that you don't have anything. So don't, don't feel like you have to make something up. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it's interesting getting the feel for a certain distance, you know, right. Like the first time. And then you're like, Oh, I could have, you know, maybe I could have done this faster or something Mm -hmm. like that. But, um, so I think that's maybe the one takeaway, but Mm. yeah, I mean, like to your point, um, at mile 16, my, um, quad started to cramp up quite a bit and Mm -hmm. it's just this familiar feeling where it's like deep in your quad. And I'm like, Oh man, I know if I don't address this right now, I'm going to be peg legging it like during my marathon. (laughs) And so I just started like, I just took some salt capsules and then just like had another gel and then like had some, um, I've been drinking noon and I just, yeah, had all three of those things and it went away and it never, never happened again. So it's like awesome. all those things that you learn in training, all the, all the time that you spend training, like mm-hmm. it all helps. Like you're all, I mean, you should be learning a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So if someone is listening to this and they're, they're on the fence or they've signed up for their first 50 K and, the, and they're starting their, their training, do you have you know, some words of encouragement or thoughts that you want to share, um, something that may, might help them like through over a challenge or through an obstacle. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of thoughts. (laughs) 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 One of the things that I kept reminding myself when training would get hard or when I didn't feel like doing it was like the time will pass anyway. 
Mm. And so if, if the time is going to pass, what, what do you want to show for it at the end of this? Yep. And like you have 20 weeks, like, are you going to dedicate to it or not? Um, also just to enjoy the process. Like, mm. like you've talked about so many times, like it is a process. And like, if you don't learn to, to love it and you're not listening to your body and you're not, um, yeah, like all of those things kind of come together and then it, it, it makes it so much more rewarding, um, in the end. Um, yeah, being open to running with friends and making friends during your race. Like that was so much fun. <laughs> I'm too extroverted for my own good, <laughs> so, <laughs> but it really helped actually. Um, but yeah, I think those kinds of things, training's not always going to be easy. There's going to be really hard times. Um, one of the, one of the tips that really helps me, like when I called Tom or when I'm talking to people is just getting yeah. out of your own head. Yeah. Um, Cause sometimes that can really increase the physical pain. <laughs> and so knowing how to do that during your training and then you can, you know, direct that towards your race is great. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's all good stuff. I mean, that's all really, you know, beneficial stuff that sometimes can sound really simple, but if you're new to this, you're just like, Oh, it's gotta be more complicated. It's gotta be more strategic. Like, no, you've got to start with the basics first and then you can layer on the more, you know, sexy or strategic stuff. But like, yeah, you know, all that, if you're not having fun, if you're not looking at it from the longer perspective, you know, looking at the long game, it, it's going to be exponentially harder. You know, it, it will be less enjoyable and, you know, I also agree if it's not fun at, if it's not fun on a macro level, you know, on the micro level, the, the day in day out stuff might not necessarily always be fun, right. but you got to find, I mean, we talk about that a lot and run your first 50K, like you're going to have to find some fun somewhere. Otherwise this is going to be a short lived process because you're just going to tap out because you're going to be like, this sucks. Right. Why, you know, and, and, you know, again, running, running a 50 K isn't necessarily for everyone. I'm a big proponent that everyone should at least try it because I do think mm -hmm. that there's a lot to be learned from the process. Um, and if you decide it's not for you, that's fine. But the people who do it successfully learn a lot of these lessons that you can then translate over to the rest of your life, right. That help to make other areas of your life, uh, less challenging or more interesting, or you become stronger, you overcome some weaknesses, or you, you develop some skills that you can sort of put into your tool belt and, and utilize in other areas. But I mean, it's one of those things where you have to understand that on the macro level, you want it to be fun on the micro day to day stuff. You're going to have to, you know, sort of like, <laughs> give these things a pass every once in a while and just sort of go through the motions in a good way, like, you know, doing your shakedown and taking the win for the day. Um, so that on the macro level, you can get to the place where, yeah, you get to go on a long run with friends and that's super fun. You have to, you know, sometimes you have to delay the fun in the moment to cash in on the fun mm -hmm. later on down the line. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think it's so cool to see what our bodies are capable of if we dedicate the time to it. Yep. Um, also one thing to add to, um, keep your zone two runs zone two. <laughs> it doesn't have to be super hard. Like I, I was getting towards the end of my training and I was like, this felt so much easier than last year. And it was like, I, I what six or seven months of my time. I can't even remember like from, from start to finish. And last year was like two months. 
And mm-hmm. last year I was just like grinding myself down because I was my heart rate was like 165 average yeah. <laughs> on every run. And I was like, why? <laughs> why do I hate running so much? <laughs> why am I so burnt out? Because yeah. it it can and it should be easy. Like yeah. it should feel good. And it's not always going to feel good. But yeah, like that just helped me so, so, so much. Um, so yeah. So what's next? What's next? Um, so I, as I was driving to my 50 K, I got notified that I was a winner of a giveaway of a free trail marathon, (laughs) um, that benefits actually the, the local partners in route County. Um, and it's the mentoring organization. Um, remember when I mentioned the, the girl that passed away, mm-hmm. um, I was her mentor mm. um, for eight years. So I'm running the race that benefits them. So nice. I got a free entry to that. Um, I threw my name in for the Run Rabbit Run 50 miler um, this year. I'm on the wait list. I'm number 61. So I'm probably not going to get in. But there's always a chance. I know. I know. And then I was like, maybe, but I think next year I want to do that. I have a whole mm-hmm. list of um, races that I want to do and routes that I want to run in the area. So, but nice. run rabbit run is 50 miler is like my big, my big goal for now. So love it. And when, when does that happen? Um, it's in September, mid September, okay, right. but yeah. I'll probably do it next year. Um, and Can you defer if you get in? Um, I don't know. Good question. I'll have to check. But I'm just wondering. Yeah, since I'm on the wait list, you can you can say yes or no. And then mm-hmm. if you say yes, then they charge you like mm-hmm. an exorbitant amount of money. But <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think I don't know. I think that's what's next. I just yeah, after I after I finished my race, I was like, I can't wait to do that again. Well, I, I could wait to do it again because I couldn't walk, but like <laughs> but I was just so excited and yeah seeing the 50 milers I was like I don't know could I you know and then you get that little thought in the back of your brain of like hmm what am I capable of Mm -hmm. that's when you have to sign up for one right like we talk a lot about having the next thing sort of in place before you complete the first thing so that you're sort of constantly in motion right right And that other thing can change, but you at least should have something lined up like this trail marathon, like even if it's a, even if it's a a local 5k, 10k or a travel 5k, 10k, just, you know, the next thing so Mm -hmm. that you don't fall victim to the dip of, you know, getting sort of the, the post-race blues and, oh, I don't like having this existential crisis, like, oh, I don't know what's next, which is totally on, you know, on par for finishing your first or your farthest race. And mm-hmm. I, I'm just such a huge proponent of it because you could spend a lot of time sort of wallowing in that space of, oh, I, I, you know, what does life mean now that I've done this thing and I don't know what I'm going to do next? Like, what, what should I do? Um, so having something, anything that you can aim for next, even if it's not bigger or farther, yep. is good because it will just help to sort of reset your brain, recalibrate you and keep you moving forward. So I love that you have not one, but two, and then, you know, a whole plan sort of already, you know, brewing in the back of your brain for next year. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And I think I think it's important also to just take take a minute and like be really, really, really proud of yourself when you finish your first 50 K like 
I don't think like I've been through grad school. I've like done really cool things with my life, but I have never been so proud of myself in my entire life. And it's like, just taking a minute, taking a moment to be like, I am like existing within how proud I am of myself, like is so worth it. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, yeah, being like, Ooh, and I have a marathon coming up, like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So I, yeah, to, even to this day, I'm like, Holy shit, I did that. <laughs> like, and no one can take it away from you. Exactly. And I'm like, it feels like a fever dream. Like, like yeah. did that actually happen? And I have to yeah. keep asking my husband, like, were we really there? <laughs> so, yeah. So I love it. Yeah. Love it. Well, thanks for coming on and sharing your experience. I think um, a lot of people will get a lot out of that, you know, just sort of hearing the challenges that you faced leading up to it, the the shift that you made sort of mid-year last year, and then the trajectory that it sent you on for this year, right? Like you could have run that other race, but would you have been as invested in it? Who knows? Like, you know, you had already gone through so much, you know, that the making that choice, I think was really smart for you. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, look where it landed you and you're on this trajectory to make running sort of a lifelong thing, you know, so I love Absolutely. it. I love it so much. Well, and thanks for coaching me. Thanks for creating the run your first 50k program. Like I, yeah, I was pulling things out of that program mid race. I was like, Megan is in my head. Actually, I have your podcast song saved on my pl- my running playlist. <laughs> so I need some extra support. I'm listening to Sky High Drones. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I saw that you posted that in the group. You're like, I found it. <laughs> I, know. I found the music. <laughs> I know. I don't know how I did, but yeah. So Ask thank you. Google. <laughs> Google can find anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so awesome. Well, you'll have to come back when you finish Run Rabbit Run and tell us all about that experience as well. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, you guys, well, hopefully you enjoyed that conversation with Lauren. These are honestly some of my favorite episodes to do because I know these women, most of them I have coached personally, and I get to know them and their backstory and what they've gone through, what challenges and obstacles they've had to face and overcome in order to accomplish their running goals. So I want for you guys to hear more stories like this so that you start to see in yourself that regardless of what you have going on, it is possible for you to also either run your first or your farthest ultra. Okay. So if you want to be around more like-minded women like Lauren, be sure that you hop on over to Facebook and join us in the run your first 50 K Facebook group. Just search run your first 50 K under groups. You'll hit the button to request to join. There'll be a couple quick questions that you'll answer and you're in. And just as a reminder, this group is exclusively for women. Sorry, guys, you can still make use of all of the resources here and that I share on my email list, but this is a community specifically tailored for women. And if you want a little bit more than that, like you want more coaching, you want more support, accountability, guidance, uh, you want some more resources 
like training plans, checklists, live and pre-recorded classes, kin stretch and yoga, and the like, then She Runs Ultras, the membership community, is open for about another week or so. Monday, July 31st, uh, doors will close. So make sure you get in there before doors close because they don't open again until late September. All right. That's all for this episode, you guys. Enjoy this beat, and I'll see you all soon.